0: with a negative uh, or self-depreciating statement in the present tense or future tense, he wrote them all down. And so he he started to read me this list of all these negatives that he'd heard me say over a year and a quarter. Um, And uh, he had very piercing blue eyes and he started to read, and he'd read the first line and then he'd look at me. And then he'd read the next line and he'd look at me again. And it went on and it went on. And by the end of that, he got to the end of that list, page after page, I was broken. Welcome to the Prime Life Project podcast, a place
1: to help you unlock your full potential, both mentally and physically, to become the best version of you. Welcome back to another episode of the Primal Project Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel James, and I've got a very, very exciting guest for you today. But before I introduce my guest, don't forget about the Mental Health Summit on May the 29th. Uh, All the links are in the bio. Uh, The last podcast was with Mikey and we discussed all about it. It's going to be an absolutely incredible event, so make sure you don't miss that out. So my guest today... Is Mr. Sheen Towers, and he's a London based hypnotherapist and self communication expert who's been helping people to transform how they speak towards themselves for the best part of two decades. Through simple yet profound understanding, he has successfully helped many who have suffered trauma, abuse, depression, and anxiety. Now, the co founder of Dialogue of Self Liberation, Sheen is sharing his practical transformational system online, helping people to develop the mindfulness of self communication and nurture self forgiveness and self compassion. Sheen, welcome
0: to the podcast. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
1: Honestly, like I said to you off air, like doing my research into you, uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation for my clients and mm. clients, cli- mm. clients, listeners, listeners, clients, same thing. Yeah. Uh, I, it sounds bizarre. When I do these podcasts, I generally do see them as clients because the information I'm trying to get mm. from the people I'm speaking to it is literally like I'm trying to dissect information as i do for a client so it's very bizarre that i actually just just said that but before we go into some of these rabbit holes we're going to today because like i said i think we're going to go quite deep um the research run into you you are a gentleman i'm very interested in picking his brains but can we just take my audience back to uh, what actually got you interested in helping people improve the quality of their lives because again i know you're a hypnotherapist and you do a lot of other things but Mm. what actually got you into this field originally
0: okay so um Uh, I never wanted to become a therapist. Uh, The thought never entered my head. Many years ago, I was introduced to a gentleman whose name was Dr. Vernon Bell, and um, we became friends. Vernon, uh, we shared an interest in martial arts. I've been a practitioner of of martial arts since I was about 17 years old uh, and still am, still study and practice. And uh Vernon was the gentleman who was the founding father of the British Karate movement in 1957. He was the first British uh, man to uh, receive a uh, a black belt in Shotokan Karate, and he went on to have uh, uh, Karate schools up and down the country, all the way through uh, the United Kingdom. Uh He was also a tenth dan Jujitsu master. We, as I say, we sh- we became friends. We shared an interest in martial arts, uh, and and also. We had an interest in um, comparative religion and um, what's what's sometimes referred to as perennial wisdom, which is the wisdom that permeates and flows through all spiritual traditions and religions, the common themes and archetypes Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. symbolism in things. Um, So he was also a very blunt man. And uh, one day I was visiting him. He lived in Stratford in the east end of London. And at the time I was living in Manchester. And uh, I used to just really enjoy his company. He was a very cheeky fellow as well. He had a really cheeky sense of humour, but he was very blunt. And this one day he he asked me uh, a, a question. He said, I'm going to ask you a straight and simple question, only a yes or no will do. Do you or do you not wish to study hypnotherapy with me? You don't have to answer now, but before you leave here this afternoon, I want to, I want you to either give me a yes or a no. Just, um, just like that, and, just, just uh, out of the blue
1: like that. Just,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the thing was, uh, um, what people who, who know Vernon or knew Vernon would have done so because of his uh, um, karate background. But um, what people didn't know is he was a founder member of the British Association of Therapeutic Hypnotists in 1951. And it's the oldest regulatory body for hypnotherapy in the United Kingdom. And um, so he had a wealth of experience. Um, the, the living room in the flat. In uh, Chobham Road in um, in Stratford, where he used to live, on the walls the the entire walls were covered in certificates, framed certificates. Um, he was constantly studying um, uh, hypnotherapy-related things, psycho- psychology, psychotherapy, etc. And um, yeah, he just had a, a thirst for knowledge, and he was constantly studying. And uh, so he wanted a yes or no. And then for several hours, I was racking my brains trying to come up with a reason why I was going to say no. Mm. (laughs) And I realized that every excuse I came up with was a very poor excuse. Like I didn't have time. Well, I could always make time. I wasn't interested. Well, actually it's fascinating. It's a great opportunity because he had a wealth of experience and um, it would have been, um, it would have been disrespectful to him to give him a lame excuse as to why not mm. i respected him too much basically to uh, uh, to to give him a poor excuse and to try and wriggle out of a commitment mm. so that's the only reason i said yes um and then what i didn't realize at the time was that i ended up studying with him for the last four years of his life as his personal student and he took me through a process And the process he took me through helped me to identify the ways that I'd, uh, the habits, negative habits and uh, patterns and beliefs I picked up along the way about myself, uh, which unconsciously I'd been abusing myself with in Mm. relation to the way I spoke to myself about myself. Mm. It was totally unconscious. Uh, but I'd been stuck for probably about 20 years of my life in very negative patterns of self-talk mm. the stories I was telling myself about myself because of experiences I had in my past um, caused me to become very skillful at being spiteful in the way I spoke to myself about myself mm. and um, there's a lot but, of people be, a, completely lot of, unconscious. a lot of people do that though, don't they it's like and it's it's
1: incredibly weird common. When you notice it in someone doing it, you'll notice like, do you know how you talk to yourself? And the the, the worst thing about yeah. this is, I think a lot of people do it in a joking way. So they'll like they'll they'll, yes. they'll insult themselves in a joking way and sort of play it off so that That's a lot right. of people around them won't actually notice mm. what they're doing. Yeah but once you know what you're looking yeah. out for, it's everywhere the way mm. that people talk to themselves and it's so disrespectful.
0: Mm. No, completely, yeah, it is. It's um I in the um the dialogue of self-liberation is basically the name I've given to the principles and methodology that he passed on to me. Um, and um, there are lots of sayings in the work that, that I do. I use a lot of symbolism and metaphor and sayings. And um, uh, one of those things is: how can we possibly let go of something if we're not even aware that we're carrying it? Oh. We first have to be aware that we're carrying the weight. Mm. Uh, but very often we normalize things to the point where we don't realise what we've been dragging around with us, the weight of the past. So you how know, do we how, so how, do, how imagination do
1: we, how do we go about identifying that then? Because if we're not aware of it, how how do you go in again, um, the dialogue of self vibration How do you first identify that? Because that's a key thing, like the awareness is the key thing. But that's the hardest part, I think. So what are your steps and what's, what, what's the advice that you give for people to try and actually turn inwards and find this mm. metaphorical thing they're holding?
0: Um, well, I would say that um, we first have to be completely fed up of feeling the way we've been feeling. Mm. We have to be really sick of that. Um, because otherwise, we're just going to kind of um, pretend to ourselves that we're trying to improve ourselves and not really mean it uh so sometimes it requires that we we get to what we might refer to as rock bottom we've kind of hit the brick wall we've had you know we don't know what to do many of the people who come to see me over the years have been in that kind of a, a situation um and they've become very stuck and they don't know what to do to, to one stick themselves but they know they're fed up with it and they want to change so i i can't do and and don't do anything to anybody all i act as is as is a guide to help that person identify those patterns and habits and negative um, uh, beliefs about themselves and we do this through asking various types of questions and uh, we have to have courage sufficient to. Be prepared to be totally, transparently, honest with ourselves about ourselves, mm. in order to answer those kind of questions. Uh, it's like, well, what what experiences in our past have set up those negative beliefs? Because you know, we end up, we, uh, life throws curveballs at us, or we make poor choices and bad decisions, and act in ways that we later regret, uh, or we are. Um sometimes the victim victim of circumstances outside of our control i e someone else's uh uh abuse or neglect uh or spitefulness these kind of things and then uh we we are conditioned largely by those experiences we've had in the past they cause us to believe things about ourselves like you know. Uh, what have I done to deserve this? I must have done something. Maybe this means I'm a bad person or what, you know, I may must have deserved this, that or the other. Um, uh, and then we end up saying things to ourselves like, Oh, I'm useless. I'm stupid. I'm, I'm a fool. No, you know, one of the things I used to say is no one will ever love me. Mm. I believe that I was destined to have a succession of uh, failed and, uh, shallow relationships because I'd ended up in situations with previous partners where it was just a mismatch, but I'm a loyal person. And I I'd, uh, I also ended up in situations with uh, previous partners who in some cases uh, were carrying, they'd been through a lot of trauma themselves and they didn't know how to deal with it. And so I ended up uh, in certain circumstances more like a therapist than I was a lover and a friend. Yeah but with no training, mm. no understanding of how to deal with those things. And um, and then I'd blame myself when things didn't work out and it was another failed relationship and I beat myself up, blaming myself, putting myself down, and then replaying in my memory old mm. memories of things that had happened to me that were hurtful or painful or uh, upsetting or traumatic. And uh, and then we go off in our minds if we're not careful in our imaginations thinking about those things that have actually happened in the past, then we go off on tangents, if we're not careful, of, oh, if only I'd have said this, if only I hadn't have done that. Uh, And before we know it, we've spent maybe hours or days or months or years imagining a whole bunch of stuff that never actually happened, and yet we would torment ourselves, torture ourselves uh, by imagining all kinds of hypothetical uh, alternative scenarios in which we had to deal with those same stresses and upsets again but in a different form mm. in our in our imagination mm. we imagine the worst we train the, the wonderful creative power of our imagination uh all too often to imagine the worst mm. rather than to use the power of our imagination creatively in different ways in, in ways that are helpful
1: don't you think that's the most bizarre thing is the power of the brain and the power of the imagination and the power of the mind and the fact we're not taught how to use it because this is the thing on my journey the more i've discovered about the power of this and the power of thought and the power of imagination and the power of all the... and you're reading this stuff and you're sat there and you're like Why is this not common knowledge? And this is why I want to have people like yourself on because people will be listening to this right now. And again, you've just spoke there for, I think, 15 minutes and it was just gold after gold after gold. So again, I encourage anyone listening to this that didn't quite understand what Sheen was just talking about there to please just go back and replay that because Sheen's just dropped some absolute bombs there to understand what fundamentally is the problem with the human experience because the human experience is we've got control of this supercomputer and what happens is people say things to us which then basically forms this identity that we have of ourselves i am not good enough i don't and we're walking around these badges and these labels and then something will happen we blame ourselves we then create this story which isn't as you said not even reality Mm. what happens and again i think there's been a study Mm. to show that when people go back and recall something that's happened their recollection of that event has been warped to what they believe is their identity, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So if they think that they're a failure and a loser, mm-hmm. this event that's happened, when they're explaining it to the people, they will warp it to prove that they're a loser. And it's like, so then it's that's not, right. and, and, and what you've just said there, then what happens is they go down this rabbit hole of negative self-talk, which mm-hmm. hasn't even happened yet. And before you know it, like they're down a rabbit hole and it's 15 years down the line and their life's an absolute train wreck. And it's like you said, it's all Exactly, and it's like the blind leading the blind, essentially. Because when you talk about your experience there with relationships, I very much relate to that. It was the blind leading the blind. I wanted to help someone, but I had no qualification. I had no understanding of my own computer to try and help somebody else. And I think mm-hmm. as human beings, we're conditioned to want to help other people, but the problem is we don't know how to help ourselves first. So for me, when you said, oh, about, feeling, when you said about feeling fed up and hitting rock bottom. What does, it go, what does it look like to go through this? Because, again, you've hit you some amazing things there about belief systems, identity patterns, um, all this sort of stuff. But what does it actually look like? Because this is the hardest part. Me and Mike have spoke about it before. Me and the other guests have spoke about, about it before. The hardest part is the, the start. The hardest part is actually facing yourself and taking full responsibility and full ownership that you're responsible for potentially the car crash of your own life. So how do we go about doing that in a safe, controlled manner?
0: um okay well that's a great question by the way a really really great question because surely at the, at the end of the day anything that we're discussing here ideally it needs to be um it needs to be described in such a way that it makes sense absolutely and therefore can become something which can be practically applied in our lives in a very straightforward way mm. otherwise it's all hot air <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's got to be practical and, and straightforward, and, and have a, a sense to it straight away. So the first thing is to develop the mindfulness. What I refer to as the mindfulness of, of uh, self communication. Mm-hmm. So you know the practice of mindfulness has become uh, a very popular thing, uh, and um, the uh, the whole point of uh, mindfulness is to to really consider what it is we're doing, to have a considered approach to what it is we're doing. It's like to really think about it. What am I actually doing here? Uh, Mindful walking, mindful eating, mindful breathing, and so on. So the mindfulness of self-communication is uh, the very first time I went to study with Vernon, literally the very first thing he said to me is um, uh, the very first skill you're going to need to acquire if you want to feel better about yourself and the life you're living, is the skill of monitoring the dialogue you're speaking to yourself Mm. on the inside from moment to moment. What are you actually telling yourself now in this moment? Mm. And is what you're saying to yourself an example of uh, a negative belief that you're reinforcing again by speaking about the past as if it were the present or the future? Mm. Or are you in your imagination somewhere in the future? in an imaginary scenario in which you continue to feel rubbish about yourself. So we need to, if we want to, like I said, uh, how could we possibly let go of something if we're not even aware that we're carrying it, but if we can develop an awareness of what we've been carrying, then we have an opportunity to let it go. Mm. So the first thing we need to do is really develop this. uh, So the mindfulness of self-communication, but then In relation to our past experiences, um, how can we have experience of something unless we've been through it? We don't know something until we know it. Mm. So, in many cases, like for instance, if we were to look back at uh, some of the upsets that we, or the traumas or the difficulties we've been through in the past, at that time, if we look at our younger self, We just weren't, we had no training. We had no frame of reference. How could we possibly have dealt with it any differently than the way we did at that time? Because we didn't know any better then. Mm. So a really, really important aspect in this work is developing self-forgiveness. We have to have the capacity to forgive ourselves for not having known how better to deal with things in the past, at times where we had no frame of reference, we didn't know, we had no training, we, we hadn't yet learned the lessons necessary to understand the difference. Mm.
1: I think the biggest thing with this, do you feel that? By the way, that, that has really hit me the self-forgiveness thing. Because that's one thing that I say, uh, I think I mentioned it a few times on the podcast before: is uh, the biggest thing that people yeah. struggle with is actually fi- they need to find themselves. Forgive themselves and then love themselves. Like but you need to find yourself first. Like, yes. like, like yeah. who actually are you as a person? But then the biggest thing is that self-forgiveness, mm. because like I've like said here before, uh, in, in um, people go off and, and look at the past and they ask themselves the, the questions. If only I'd done this, but they're coming from a place of the present yes. moment, but they didn't mm. have those skills. That they're assuming that they had those skills earlier on but they didn't so it's like there's, there's nothing you can no. about it like it's like if only i could could have learned to drive at 15 okay well i didn't know to drive at 15 so it's irrelevant because i didn't it, but if me saying mm-hmm. if only i could have driven a car it's irrelevant so mm-hmm. i think that's a big thing there like i, I just want to loop back about something here when uh, we talk about mindfulness and the, the, the mindfulness of self-communication this is something that i've become very aware of in the last i would say month is that I have noticed I do get inside my own head quite a bit sometimes, but I've been very, very aware of it. And I've just had uh, a practice. I don't know where this has come from, but when I notice myself daydreaming or wondering about something that's not serving me, I bring myself back and I say, this is life. This is life right now. Like this podcast right now is my life. I'm not a coach. I'm not doing anything else right now. My life is talking to you. That is it. Nothing else yes. in my life exists. Yes. And it never has existed. I agree completely. And it's never mm-hmm. going to. And it's bizarre to me. Like when yep. I'm showering now, I'll shower and I'll be like, this is my life. I am showering. Mm. This, this, this is my life. Mm. And it's bizarre that the more I've done that, it's given me a sense of, as you said, mindfulness, just a sense of real appreciation mm. for this is actually my life. Don't wish it away by getting inside
0: my own head. Mm. That makes sense. Yes, it does completely. You, you mentioned something that you said. Uh, I am showering. You know the words we use in the dialogue of self-liberation. The, the whole principle and the, the methodology that Vernon taught me is very specific, and the specific words that we use just arbitrarily when we're communicating to anyone. But if we're communicating from ourselves toward ourselves, like uh, they, they have a very direct effect. There are scientific studies that uh, uh, have proved increasingly that uh, the changing of one single word in a description of the the very same event can transform the way the person feels and perceives themselves because they've just shifted one word. When we say I am, that's a really powerfully uh, influential thing because whatever we say after those two words – we align our sense of self with. Mm. So, yeah, I am angry. I am useless. I'm a fraud. People think I am a fraud. <laughs> yeah, mm. this uh, imposter syndrome thing. Um, or uh, I am a failure.
1: These That's, a big, one, isn't it? That's so a big one. That's a big
0: I'm, one. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm useless. I'm no good. Uh, I'm, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a car crash yeah all these kind of things people would say uh totally unconsciously and and like you said earlier they they say oh god i'm such a stupid ass you know or whatever they'd say about themselves they give themselves a hard time uh as a joke but actually deep down when they really look at it what they're doing is they're putting themselves down mm-hmm. I, I spent, unbeknown to myself, I spent 20 years of my life doing exactly that and becoming very skillful, uh, giving myself a very hard time. Um, and it was never really in front of other people. It was when I was on my own, at the end of the day, when I'd get back home. When you took that mask off, when um, you took that mask
1: off that we had to put on to pretend to be really happy yeah. and joyful for the world. Yeah. And you, you take that mask off yeah. and it's just you with yourself. I know that feeling all too well.
0: That's it. That's it. That's it. And I became very, very skillful at, um, at uh, beating myself up and putting myself down. And uh, I was I became very spiteful, actually, at that. Um, and I didn't realize I was even doing it. And so Vernon helped me to understand what I'd been doing. Mm. And, um, yeah, he, he did so in a very blunt way, in a very, very forceful way of a very, very skillful way, actually. Um. I don't know. I don't know uh, what your policy is on on uh, with regard to your listeners, with regard to swearing. But uh, I can tone down how he spoke to me, <laughs> honestly. But so, so, so
1: with this, I spoke to some the the last podcast I called Mikey. I myself, me personally, uh, mm. I swear a lot. Now I go into schools mm. now and talk in schools. So what I've decided to do is to yes. tone my swearing down. And when I swear, I understand. when I swear, I'm going to put. 10 pounds to a charity donation i then also said i can't okay. control my guests so this is a podcast that has mm. swearing so i again for, for yeah. impact again if you're trying to describe this gentleman and how he spoke to you again if they, if, mm. if that is the truth the truth is the truth whether people like yeah. it or not so please by all means use the language he okay. used if it's if it's going to help uh, actually add to this kind of um persona of like how he actually was okay. a
0: person yeah okay great thank you so so um yeah Every time I went to see him from the very first time of studying with him, he would write notes. He said to me whilst we have the dialogue uh, which was basic basically him asking me lots of questions and me doing my very best I decided right from the beginning to do my best to answer a hundred percent transparently honestly whatever i ha- however I could respond to the questions he he asked me would have been honest and uh, otherwise I'd be fooling myself and and fooling him mm. and uh, and that uh, and I realized that that was just defeating the whole object of, of the study and the work so uh, I said yeah he he wanted to write notes I said yeah go ahead so he was always writing notes he, he'd ask me a question and I'd answer the question and then he'd say hang on a minute I'm just going to write something down he wrote some of these things down he never showed me anything he wrote until about a year and a quarter into the study with him uh, during which time he'd uh, highlighted to me the importance of the inner dialogue and the spe- specificity of certain words that we would use when we're speaking to ourselves and the deep um, implications of those words in relation to what, how those, those words can condition our belief patterns. Mm. Um, and so... Um, he never showed me anything that he, he was writing until a year and a quarter in. And then that particular day I went to see him, he um, he met me at his front door, shook me by the hand with, with an urgency. He said, come in, I've got something really important to talk to you about today. Sit yourself down. And uh, I'm going to just describe to you pretty much word for word how he spoke to me because it made such an impression I'll never forget. And he he sat, sat me down and sat opposite me and he went, right, I think you're starting to understand how the tools work. And I said to him, well, I think I'm starting to get an understanding for what you're trying to teach me. I think I'm understanding what you're on about. And he said, oh, great. I thought you'd say that. Now, you know, those notes I've been writing every time you've been to see me for the last year and a quarter. Well, today's the day where I read to you what I've written and everything I'm about to read. I've heard come out of your mouth. Are you ready? And he got the pad out pages after pages of uh, these notes he'd written. And every single time he heard me answer a question of his where I spoke about myself myself in a self-limiting, self-abusive, self-pitying, um, negative way. Spoken in the present tense or the future tense. And this is really important in the present tense or the future tense. With things like I am, am is it's here now or I always or I'll never. And then I feel when I get those are future implications. So. Every time he heard me answer one of his questions with a negative uh, or self-depreciating statement in the present tense or future tense, he wrote them all down. And so he, start to read, he started to read me the, this list of all these negatives that he'd heard me say over a year and a quarter. Um, and uh, he had very piercing blue eyes and he started to read me. read the first line and then he'd look at me and then he'd read the next line and he'd look at me again and it went on and it went on and by the end of that he got to the end of that list page after page i was broken i was absolutely broken it cut me to my core and i i was crying tears pouring down my face i was ashamed it was vile um, and at the end of it he said do you, so you understand how the tools work, do you? And I said, Yeah, I think I know. I think I know where you're going with this, Vernon. And he went, Yeah, it's simple from now. It's like this. And he sat forward in his chair, and he screamed at the top of his voice at me, "Leper, heal thyself!" And then the next words he said were right. Fuck off. Get out of my sight. I'm not going to see you anymore. I'm not going to speak to you anymore until you've started to use the tools that you now know how to use on yourself. Because now you know exactly what you've been doing to yourself for all these years, don't you? Get out of my fucking sight. And he grabbed me, picked me up off the sofa, pushed me down his hallway, opened the front door, shoved me in the back and pushed me out into the street and then slammed the door shut. <laughs> and I wandered around Stratford for several hours feeling absolutely lost and absolutely broken until after a little while, it was like a light bulb went on and I suddenly saw that everything that he had written down on that list that he then smashed me with all in one go um, were perfect examples of the very things. If I wanted to feel better about myself and the life I was living, as he said, uh, I just had to stop saying those things in the present tense or the future tense. Yes, I have spoken like that. I have believed those things to be true about myself. Yes, I have thought those thoughts. Yes, I have said those things to myself. Yes, I have felt those feelings. Yes, I have been through those experiences. But uh, you see, our problems persist, as he taught me. Our problems persist because we communicate toward ourselves about our past as if it were the present or the future. Mm. And then we end up stuck like a, a... like a hamster on the same wheel going round and round and round. I'm useless. I'm useless. I'm no good. I'll never be any good. Everyone hates me. Mm. And then we get exhausted by that. And uh, so I realized that I had to make the effort to put into practice what he was teaching me. And and that's what was so skillful uh, about him being so forceful with me. is because he knew that I understood what he was teaching me intellectually, theoretically. But he also knew damn well I hadn't changed how I was speaking to myself because mm. he still caught me yeah. communicating in the present tense and the future tense in those self-limiting or, or abusive ways. Uh, and so I I made a start. It took me four months to pluck up the courage to call him. And uh, during that time, I, I really started to make the effort. I'd catch myself in mid sentence and think, Oh God, that's an example of one of those things on the list of Vernon's list. So when I caught it, I'd actively transform it and communicate honestly about it in the past tense, something I have believed, something I have thought, feelings I have felt, ways in which I have reacted in the past. Yeah. Did you, um, did you replace it with a positive? Then, no. This this is really important, actually, uh, Daniel. This methodology has nothing whatsoever to do with positive affirmation. It's the antithesis of it. This is all about learning how to not communicate in a negative way toward ourselves in the present tense and the future tense, in our self-communications, in our self-talk. That's interesting. So, so you're not Because actively- it allows the past to be the past.
1: Yeah. So, you're not actively replacing the negative with the positive. Because something that I was. Not necessarily, not necessarily an affirmation, as in, because the affirmations are something where, it my understanding of it, although it's taken affirmation, is where people stand themselves in the mirror and say things. Again, I've got my views on that. And mm. I do think in certain situations that can work. But from what you're saying there, something that I've been reading recently was talking about that when these negative thoughts pop up, it's an amazing opportunity to actually destroy the darkness with light. So how do you destroy darkness? With light. So actually <laughs> I've an opportunity to do that. yeah so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I've, this, I've skipped this the head is where you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, so, yeah. so in my head actually that's why that's what I don't want to talk about that I, actually, like, actually pops up.
0: That's that's yeah, you're 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 with absolutely spot on tuned in here mate that's wonderful uh the way the way vernon described it to me and he described it to me literally that very first day when he said the first skill you need to acquire is is the the skill of monitoring the dialogue you're speaking to yourself about yourself from moment to moment um he, he also said to me that it's um uh this is based upon the principle absence of darkness is light mm. It's not about trying to tell ourselves, I feel lighter, I feel stronger. It's about learning how to stop talking to ourselves about how dark we believe it is or always will be. Oh, so, and when so, we stop doing when we stop doing that, we, we naturally begin to feel lighter because we're not framing everything within the context of darkness. I, I love that. So essentially what we're saying is with
1: this, because this is something I believe, we are all born perfect. We're all born amazing. We are all born this amazing, let's say star. So people can visualize this. We're, we're born this amazing bright star. And essentially what you're saying here is what's happened over time is that you've basically put clothes wherever you want to put like patches on this star to dampen its mm. its, its shine mm. and what you're saying is no, yes. no no don't don't try and paint light on your star just mm. remove the darkness mm. and then your natural light that's will it. shine through i've, I've never that's I, it i feel like i've had a light bulb moment here when you're describing this i'm like the, the way you describe that i'm like it's making yeah. perfect sense to me
0: thank you that that's it well everything vernon taught me makes perfect sense it's and uh, to the point where, and I've been doing this work with people, passing on the understanding to people for the last 20 years, and um, anything less than this doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. the principle of this. Because uh, why Why would we continue to communicate in the present tense and the future tense in, in ways that would only uh, serve to keep us held back or, or to undermine our sense of self-worth or I value know. in the world.
1: I'm just going to jump in there because, again, someone just wrote down that, just be true with saying that. It makes perfect sense only if, as a prerequisite to this, you don't believe that you're broken. Because a lot of people, it won't resonate with them because they think that they are broken. When they're not broken, what's happened is it's the conditioning of it. So I think with this, the only reason it wouldn't work is because people think they're broken. And people aren't broken and they don't need fixing. People just need to find themselves. That's what it fundamentally is here. And I think that's what it is. But people need to understand that first. They're not broken because if they're broken, they won't think that they've got that
0: light to actually shine. Does that make sense? That's 100%. 100%, yeah. So um, sometimes, sometimes we need to feel that we're broken to understand that that's not actually the case we need to lose ourselves sometimes completely uh, in order to find ourselves mm-hmm. we need to hit rock bottom before we realize that we can't dig any deeper mm-hmm. and that may be that you know over the years i've worked with people who sometimes have had suicidal thoughts and tendencies and uh and they've got to the point where they're thinking well i've had enough it's all too much what's the point what's the point um and yet when it's described to them clearly that that's a belief which has built up around their sense of self their true self their their authentic self because of certain usually because of circumstances outside of their control in their past i.e other people other people's abuse or neglect or ignorance Mm. spitefulness um you know, lies, deceit, infidelity, all sorts of things that can cause a person to, to lose sight of their own uniqueness and their own value in the world and blame themselves like it must be because I'm broken. Mm-hmm. And yet when it's described clearly enough that, that we have a choice, and, it, and this, is, this is, I would say this is the truth of it, is we have a choice. We, from moment to moment, we can choose this course or that course, and there are consequences. But when it's described that we have a choice, that we can, we have the right and the ability to, to change literally how we speak to ourselves about ourselves. Like when you mentioned that light bulb moment. When we, we realized, actually, you know what, in that moment when I was walking around Stratford after having been smashed with that long list of the negatives, uh, one thing I realized was that no one in, the whole, in this whole world, apart from me, can change how I speak to myself about myself but me. No one can do that work for me. I have to. So it's my responsibility.
1: That scares a lot of people. But in my eyes, it shouldn't, because it means you then don't need to rely on anybody else that for me, once people realize this, like you don't need anyone to come and save you because I think a lot of people in life and it's what I try and, uh, when when I go to schools, I talk to to kids Mm. in schools, I'll say to them, no one is coming to save you. You have to be your own best friend. Like you have to love yourself. You have to have your own back. And once you realize that, like you said there, we have the ability. We have the ability, like we, the individual Mm. and people don't know that. And it's so powerful when Mm. people do feel lost to understand Mm. you do have a choice and you have the ability. Mm. No one else, can save you or needs to save you you can do it yourself and then it's like wow yes like show me how Mm. and then that's when a lot of people tend to go down this rabbit hole of spirituality and 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 real self -self self-growth because i think you've said it before earlier i'm talking about a lot of people read a lot of self-help books they'll go to courses go to seminars they'll watch Mm. dvds workshops blah blah blah. Yet they don't take any practical application of it they do nothing they just read and read and Mm. read and read they don't actually do the work kind of like what you said you understood it but you hadn't mm. actually done it until your teacher had right. thrown it at you, and that's one of the biggest things. Like, no, knowledge yes. is great, but knowledge is only potential. You've got to do something with that potential, mm. and that then involves actually turning mm. it back in on yourself. Like, you have said some amazing yes. stuff, by the way. Like, you have absolutely blown my mind with this. Like, I like we, we're just getting going, but you
0: thank know, you just, very much, mate. You've said some incredible stuff. It's, um, it's a
1: pleasure to share to share this with you, really, and my audience. That's the biggest thing. It's not just me. Like, it, and, it's, and it, it's just me and you talking. But when I'm talking now, and I'm hearing you yeah. talk, I'm thinking people are going to get such value from what you're saying here because the way that you articulate it and the fact that your own personal experience going through this, uh, you're not coming from a place of perfect, because again, no one is, but the fact of a lot of people I think can relate to your story of mm. reading some books and being like, oh, I know this stuff. Why am I not doing it? So why would you say then that people do that? Because that's, that's a trap people get caught into. People know this stuff, yeah. but what well, I say, they know it. They know mm. some of this stuff, but they don't do it. So why do you mm. think that is?
0: You just said something there. Um, it triggers something uh, that I'd like to to focus on. Really, is uh, why why don't I do it? Why why aren't I doing this? You know, I know this stuff. Why aren't I applying it? The, the, these are dialogue of self liberation sayings. Uh, is um, we ask ourselves very often the wrong kind of questions. We ask ourselves the question, "What's wrong with me?" And when we say that it implies that we've already surrendered our sense of self over to the idea that there is something wrong with me. Yeah, what's wrong with me? Um, why does it always, why does this always happen to me? Yeah, implies we've already surrendered our belief system to, to the belief that it always happens to me. Yeah. Like uh, um, a dear friend of mine once said to me years ago, um, it's a, a, a woman friend of mine. And uh, she said, what's wrong with me? She, I always attract the wrong kind of guy. So what she ended up doing for a good long while was getting involved in a relationship, pouring her heart and soul into it with a wrong and getting mistreated. And then they break up and she'd you know come back to me and she said it again she's cheating it's happened again what's wrong with me I always attract the wrong kind of guy so the story she was telling herself was and I and I because I love her dearly and I had to say to her you know and she knew Vernon and uh, um, she knew me before I started to study with Vernon and saw the transformations within myself as a result of those studies so um Uh, I pointed it out to to her that you realise what you've actually been doing is you've been communicating to yourself, reinforcing the belief that there is something wrong with me, and I always attract the wrong kind of guy. Mm. So, in order to break that pattern, we have to first Mm. identify that's that's what the story we've been telling ourselves. We have to, as I said, how can we possibly let go of something if we're not even aware that we're carrying it? Mm. Like I wasn't aware for twenty years that I was communicating like that toward myself mm. um but when we become aware of it then we have an opportunity to change it mm. it's like having some sneaky annoying person at the back of us kind of slapping us around the back of the head and then hiding and then we thought what's that you know uh, but then after a while we managed to catch him we got hang on a minute i caught you there you know i caught you you're not going to get away with that now because I spotted that. I'm not having that anymore. And that's, that's the, the inner stance, the attitude we need to cultivate toward that self critical, you know, self abusive uh, voice within our own mind mm. right. uh, to be able to turn around to it and say, I've had enough of that.
1: Hold that thought for two seconds because I want to go down the rabbit hole about this yeah. voice. That's, that's the next thing I want to go. But you, you, you've, I have wrote some down here yeah. about the questions that we ask ourselves and your friend there. So I've got a quote on my, my, mm-hmm. my, 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 uh, my whiteboard next to me that says, fill yourself with it and become a magnet. So attracting that stuff. So again, what we're essentially, what a lot of people yes. do is they're saying this negative stuff, they're filling themselves with the negative mm. talk, and then they're attracting the negative. So again, we're going down a bit of a law of right. attraction route there, but that's essentially how it works. And again, p- people know yes, this stuff. Like you are a magnet for what you're thinking, and you spend most of your time. Mm. How you spend most of your time, your conscious thoughts. And this is the thing where I loved about what we said earlier on. Is I feel like I feel like I'm by I, I feel like I'm completely vibing off your energy here. Like I feel like my brain is on fire. Thank you like, from what you're saying. Um, because a lot of this that's stuff great. Right here is. Uh, what people are trying to do is they're trying to... With this magnetism stuff and the law of attraction and stuff like that, it's people need to understand that what they're fundamentally doing is they're trying to put positive thought in once a day or twice a day. But what people need to understand is that what actually creates this magnet and what you attract is what you think about predominantly throughout the rest of the day. The 90, 95% of the day. If 95% of the day you're saying that you're lazy, you're fat, you're no good, you're rubbish, you're a failure, you're this, you're that. And the 5%, you're like... I'm a really positive, happy person, like the 95 massive yes. outweighs that. So you fill this magnet with the 95% of negativity and then you're attracting all of this stuff and people can't logically figure it out because they don't understand what they're doing on a subconscious level. Like, so you, you, you just really, right. you really trigger me something there. So I just want to just get that out of my system because I couldn't have just. About that. But can we then talk about this, this, this voice? So this voice, this construct of this voice that we are talking to, what is your views on this? What mm. is this voice? Is it ego? Is it, what is it? I don't, I, I don't mm. know your views on this. So I'm really, really curious, but you mentioned that voice. So I want to talk about it because we all have this voice. We all talk to ourselves. You're not nuts. You're not insane, mm. but what is it we're talking mm. to? Uh,
0: I would say largely it's conditioning. Um, so in many cases with many of the people who come to see me for help over the years, that voice, and in my own uh, uh, case, in the past, notice I'm making the distinction there. In the past, in my own case, um, that it, I realised that the 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 voices I was listening to were like an echo of hurtful, spiteful things that had been said to me over the years in the past by various people, and. I'd replayed them so many times in my memory that it was no longer the sound of those people's voices. It was my voice Mm. saying the same thing to myself about myself that was leveled at me by people who were abusive. So I, and in some cases with clients, that would have been the sound of, it would have been what their their mum or their dad or their brother or their sister or their school teacher would have said to them, or bullies at school. And they've replayed it so many times over and over and tormented themselves with it, that it was like their own voice. That's what it was in my case. It was like, I, I, I describe it in this way. It's like um, having experienced some, uh, someone or people who were abusive by beating us with a stick. And then they say, here you are, mate. There's the stick. You know what to do. And you go, oh, yeah. And you take the stick and you end up hitting yourself with it and beating yourself up with the same stick that was used to beat you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I ended up doing for a very, very long time. So the, those voices are very often uh, they their echoes, their memories. But what we do is we focus in on them and we end up turning up the volume on those those memories, those negative memories of those uh, nasty things that have been said to us, mm. and we we get we normalise it, we get habitually used to the sound of that, the the particular wording, and then sometimes we get carried away with it, and we elaborate on the negative wording, mm. and then it becomes even worse. We we become an even worse abuser unto ourselves because all all stemming back from something someone may have said to us when we were seven or whatever, or 27, or whatever it may have been.
1: And not even meant in the context that we've taken it, especially in that younger age. Someone has said something to us, and as you then said, we've taken it maybe out of context, not how it was meant, Mm. and then what we've done is every time, Mm. just a small small comment. It could be anything like, um, what my teacher said to me once, I was never going to amount to anything in my life. So again, I've got a very vivid memory memory of that. Again, I've replayed it over and over again in my in my head. Have I maybe added things to it? Do you mean maybe how she said it to me? Like do you mean in my head? In my head, how I see it now, she stood up in front. I know she stood up in front of the class, but the tone. In Mm -hmm. my head, her tone is malicious, and she's basically saying to me, you're a failure, you are no good, you are this, you're that, where actually, it could have just been a split-second thing. She said it in passing, and in my head, because I felt like I was embarrassing the whole class, I've made this whole narrative about it being worse. And it's it's bizarre that you've said that. And uh, Mm -hmm. again, we're talking about this belief system. I think it was um, Eckhart Tolle that said it, uh, that that I heard this quote, saying that you are not the voice inside your head, you are the one that's listening. (laughs) So you are, the, the, the real version of you, the true mm. authentic version of Sheen, the true authentic version of Daniel, I am the one that's listening. But as you've said, normally I'd have been listening to my teacher and I would know the difference. Mm. What's happened is, and again, this is where I think I've not mm. heard that distinction before, where over time what's happened is I've changed my teacher's voice. Or I, I had, sorry, mm. about, like, I had changed my teacher's voice into my voice. So then I then started to believe that I was a failure. So then, past me, just yes. constantly talking yes. negatively to yes. myself. And it's only once I realised, wait a minute, she put that thought there, not me. Mm. And that's the liberating thing <clears> is when you realise that it's not you that you're actually hearing; it's the construct of this echo.
0: Beautifully put. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I. Uh, I would say that uh, you know Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, um, it, it, it is profound. And it's completely 100% compatible in terms of its essential principle, uh, with the dialogue of self liberation. 100%. It's
1: the, just don't, because all we have as, well. it, as
0: you said, my, this is my life. This is, this is it here and now. Like, um, as for instance, I would say to people, I would go like this. I'll snap my fingers and I'll say that moment there of my fingers snapping. It's now in the past. I'll never get that moment back as long as I live and breathe. Mm. I shared that with you, Daniel, that one, that moment. Mm. And uh, if I was to go on and on and on incessantly to whoever would listen, myself included, first and foremost, actually, about my fingers are snapping, it would be incorrect and delusional. Mm. If I was to communicate incessantly, sometimes for years and years and years to whoever would listen, about my stupid fingers are always snapping because that happened back then. That one event is also delusional and incorrect. But that's what we end up doing about our uh, suffering, our problems, our old hurts and pains. We talk about them as if they're here now or as if they're always going to be there. And then we set ourselves up for the same old, same old. You know, the um, Einstein's quote, the, de- the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and expecting different results. If we keep on talking to ourselves about our past hurts as if they're here now or as if they're always going to be there, we're just going to get the same experience over over and over again. So if the results we've been getting are not what we want then we have to be prepared to begin to do certain things differently if we're to get different results. And the doing things differently that we're speaking of here is beginning to um, choose to reassess what we're saying to ourselves about ourselves. How are we what, – what's the quality of our self-talk? What are the stories we're telling ourselves? And then to begin to change what we're saying so that we're no longer reinforcing those negative beliefs any longer by speaking about them in the present tense or the future tense mm.
1: that that finger snapping thing was bizarre that was so well put so well put about people saying oh my, finger, my fingers keep snapping and it's like no they didn't you you did it you again first of all, you did it you snapped your fingers mm. no one did it for you no one mm. made you do it your fingers didn't do it you did it but then you keep going on about mm. it, like oh my, they're always doing it, they're always doing it. Well, they're not doing it right now. Yeah, Th- that that was again throughout this entire podcast. There's been little moments like that, Ron Like that's absolute gold. And that's really struck a chord with me, and that's one of them that's going to stay with me. Um, would you recommend that people just, just thinking out loud here with what your teacher did with you? Would you recommend people keep some sort of diary or journal about the negative words they're talking about to themselves, so they can then try and unpick where they've come <laughs> from? Is that something that you recommend doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's literally the first uh, practical exercise in the development of the dialogue of self-liberation is to compile a list, as Vernon did with me. He did it on my behalf, mm. and then he smashed me with it all in one go because he knew he had to to provoke me into acting upon it and do it and changing. Um, but I I do that work in a very gent much more gentle way and and encourage once the the individual has made that choice it's like yeah you know what this makes sense to me like the things I've been discussing with you in the last hours, I would say if, if this was a client uh for the first time I'm communicating with them is there anything I've said that hasn't made sense and if thankfully if I've if I've been communicating about the principles in a clear way to the point where they're able to say no that actually that makes absolute sense it's like that's great because then we can build upon this so then uh, the first task is to compile a list, and the title of the list is The Things I'm Sick of Hearing Myself Say to Myself About Myself. And sometimes people come back with a very long list, and if it's a long list, that's okay. We we They, they all filter into various kind of common themes, really, archetypal themes. And um, so then we look at what things in that person's past may have uh, led to or set set up such a negative pattern of self-talk what what kind of things that they experience where did that come from who first said that to you who first caused you to believe such a thing then once we've identified that we make a distinction very clearly between um what has happened to us in the past and where we are now in this moment well wow. there's great a great saying um, I first heard from from my martial art teacher, um, and uh, which he heard from Alcoholics Anonymous. And I have huge respect for Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, that uh, the saying is this: that if we have one foot in the past and the other in the future, then we're pissing on today. Mm.
1: Absolutely. You know. I love that.
0: So, so we, we need to work out how to stop. Focusing on the present moment, so that um, we clear away the the clutter and we can actually begin to live as Eckhart Tolle is is speaking about in the now. Mm. And there's a there's a sanctity, a sacredness to the to the moment, to the present moment, and the breath we're breathing in this moment. Um, but we just have to train ourselves out of the habit of kind of living in our memories. And tormenting ourselves with those those kind of negatives or imagining the worst mm. in our imagination of a future. And when we can try, if we can train ourselves to stop doing that, then we begin to arrive at being present mm. and cultivating genuine presence in the moment. And that's an empowering thing. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a gift.
1: Uh, I, I, I'm not I listen about to all the episodes, but I'm looking forward to listening back to this one already. Um so to wrap this up, because um, again, you've covered a lot of things here and I, I, I hope that people have taken notes. I hope you have gone back and taken some notes because there's been such nuggets of information here and just insightful wisdom, uh, which again, you've paid forward from people who've taught you stuff and the stuff that you've learned on your journey. Like it, it, It's yes. extremely powerful, extremely, yes. extremely powerful. Um, the question I ask all my guests at the end, so again, I'm asking it to yourself now, um, what mm. advice would you give someone who feels stuck and out of control of their life right now?
0: And um, I would say that it's really important to seek help and to talk to to uh, talk to somebody who has been through some stuff and has learned how to learn the, the lessons from the things, the experiences they've been through. Not necessarily someone who's just done a training course as a therapist, and uh, they might just. You know, there's, there's, um, sadly, there's many people who come to see me over the years who've been to see a variety of other therapists and the tales they told me about those experiences have been really dreadful in some cases. Um, but yeah, to, to speak to somebody, don't just, um, sit and suffer in silence. And I think as, as men, we don't speak to people we we shut up and we pretend that we're all right and we put on a brave face and a front and so on and we don't talk about insecurities or wobbles or you know fears or that kind of thing um but when we do it's 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 a very it can be a very very powerfully transformational thing but i'd say seek out somebody who has experience and not only that but understands practical things that the person could begin to do to do things differently so um i don't know how what your uh, policy is at all about uh, me speaking about a training course that um i have on, via the website that i have uh, well my, my last thing, my last thing so, is going to
1: be what, what where can people find more information about you so yes tell me where people can find out more information about you and by your means explain that as well okay
0: um thank you well uh, um I have a website, which is um, learntdsl.com. That's uh, learntdsl. TDSL. TDSL is the Dialogue of Self-Liberation. That's what it stands for. And um, we have, there's an audio program on there, which uh, is in five lessons or modules. And um, uh, we also have a live program, which is uh, uh, coming up on the 2nd of May. So it's like a virtual event where um, we're going to be uh, over a five-week period communicating with people about this and uh, teaching people how to understand the principles and implement them practically in their lives. Uh, And it's it's a wonderful opportunity to acquire certain very simple but Profoundly practical skills and understanding that once they've been understood and practiced a little, they become like a life skill. It's like riding a bicycle. Mm. You don't forget it. Um, and then it's an ongoing practice, really. It's all, it's all to do with uh, self forgiveness and self compassion. Um, and, um, learning from our past experiences in such a way that we, learn to be kinder toward ourselves gentler toward ourselves uh, and then we have the potential to pass the baton by becoming uh one of those mentors or guiding lights for the people around us who could do with a helping hand themselves love that love that that's forward. based on based on some yeah that's it that's based on something vernon said to me as i was leaving his place in his hallway once he said um It's like this. I've been around the track like in a relay race and I'm passing you this baton and I'm taking the time to explain to you how this does great good so that it makes sense to you to take a hold of the baton and I want you to run with it. I want you to then pass it to as many people as you possibly can, explain to them how this does great good to the point where they also are prepared to take a hold of the baton and run with it and then they can pass it on to the people that they come into contact with. Uh, in their lives, and that's how this will spread, is what he said to me. Mm. So I'm doing my best through the, the work I'm doing, particularly with the website and the course now, uh, or the courses, is um, to uh, share the information and the methodology with as many people as I possibly can, because the world needs more people in it who've learned how to overcome unnecessary suffering.
1: could not have put it better myself. And that's the whole mission of this podcast is to help as many people as possible, both mentally and physically become the best version of themselves essentially not have to go through what I went through. It's as simple as that. So we're on the same mission. Fantastic. And, and again, Fantastic. anyone listening anyone listen to this, please, like if, if anything that Sheen said today struck a chord with you and you think that it can help yourself, friends or family members, please just share the show, just share the episode, help us to spread the word so we actually can fulfill our mission to help as many people as possible. Um, Sheen, honestly, this has been absolutely incredible. It's been everything I expected and more. Thank you, Dan. Um, thank you very pleasure. much. And I, I genuinely feel like we've connected on a level here. So this will not be the last time. I that do that too. We, th- this will not be the last time that we talk. So I just want to say thank you for your time. Yeah,
0: You're most welcome. And uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. You're in Nottingham, are you? I, I am in Nottingham, yes. Okay, okay, great. Well, um, uh, let's, let's stay in touch because uh, it's obvious that we, we've got similar perspective here and experience. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you.